the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Episode number 167 of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And Stella has returned. Yes, Stella is back, and we are covering the news from July 19th through August 1st. We do have just a small little itty-bitty chunk of news uh, to, to cover. We do have our spotlights, which are covers the, the books from the last two weeks, including some annuals, and then we have our listener Q&As, which we do have some of those, as well as some discussion points. So, uh, let's get straight into comic news. As far as comic news goes, the first one we've got on July 21st, Terry uh, posted up an article talking about, uh, it was a Sny- Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo talking about Endgame, Jim Gordon, and their part- and their specific comic creator partnership. Um, they talked with uh, comic book resources about a variety of different things. Uh, the big takeaways from the interview, which some of these were already known, were Endgame was originally going to be their last story when their contract was set to end at number 50. The two were very vague about the possibility of a contract extension to stay on the book. As a result of the potential extension, they moved Endgame up further so that it would occur before DC moved to the West Coast. They have ideas that could last a few more years as long as DC and the fans allow them to, which I guess implies that they have plenty of ideas of stories to do if they get an extension of their contract. Uh, neither of them will work on Batman without the other. Now, I don't, I, I watched some of these videos and it feels like they would not work on Batman the title. But Snyder did not say that he would not write Batman stories because as we know, he's going to be doing Eternal, and he doesn't do that with with uh, Capullo. Uh, the Jim Gordon storyline was meant to be a lighter comedic release storyline after the darkness of Endgame. Endgame originally had a different ending, which was changed before publication, which altered Joker's ending, but not. Not exactly sure what that meant. But I, I watched the video, and I and I feel basically what that means is that the intent was Joker was supposed to have a different different origin like maybe he really was supposed to be uh, immortal and they Mm. decided to change it before publication i'm guessing that's what they're referencing whether or not we ever actually see that like we get like an uh an ultimate edition you know end game story down the road or you know one of the absolute editions or something like that and we actually see the script for the original version of the ending That'd be interesting. Um, and then the last bit is the current story is meant to be a look at what happened if Batman died, but Bruce Wayne came back, if that makes any sense. So, well, I guess it makes, it certainly makes the ongoing story make sense because that's exactly what's happening. True. You know, very true. But at the same time, <laughs> some of these bullet points, when you read them, just read them. They make Have you noticed? Sense. 
they've been given like the like, and this isn't a slam on them or anything, but I think we see this a lot in like popular media when you see like the star who's out pimping a movie and he does like the same interview twelve times. Yep. Doesn't like the Snyder and Capullo interviews just feel like they've been given the same interview for like eight weeks now? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, like, they were giving the same interview after Endgame, the last issue of Endgame hit stands. They were giving the same interview, uh, the, you know, after 41 came out and Jim Gordon was Batman. They were giving the exact same interview at Comic-Con. I mean, like, it, it honestly it feels like it's been the last three months that they've been doing the exact same things. Where it's like, yeah, well, you know, they, they talk about the exact same things. And that's why Terry pointed out online that a lot of these were already discussed, but those were the highlights of... You know, the interview. And honestly, if I, I have to say, if I was a journalist, which at sometimes, you know, I do do interviews. Stella did interviews, so technically we can call ourselves actual journalists. But a lot of times you don't get, actually get news. And a lot of times it is just the fact that they are saying, they're getting asked the same question. Part of it is that they get asked the same questions. Honestly, it's really sad when you see Combo Resources and Newsarama post up articles within one day of each other that have the exact same set of questions. And it almost feels like, is DC controlling those questions and that's why they're the exact same questions? Or are the journalists just not thinking outside the box? And I feel like a lot of times we try to do a good job of asking questions that aren't necessarily the same questions that everybody else is asking, but I don't know. It's just, to me, it's annoying as a journalist. It's annoying seeing it happen. For the last three months, Snyder and Capullo, I've kind of just snuffed off every interview that they've done because it is just the same stuff. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny because I actually, you know, really like the creative team, but I don't even read their interviews anymore. It's just literally like, we love the book. We got lots of Batman stories to tell. Good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, even some of the questions that you would, you would actually want answers for, like, do you have plans to, you know, do anything or bring, you know, explain what happened in the bottom of the cave before you, you know, you're off the book at number 50? You know, and most of the time when you ask a question like that, that could potentially reveal something that they actually already have planned, they just say, oh, well, you'll just have to wait and see. Or if, you're, Li- or if you're Libra Mayho, they'll, you'll just say, oh, you'll spoil it. Next you'll question. Spoil it. Yeah. Right, Stella? I, I still don't get that. I, I don't know what that was about. And <laughs> you kind of want the – and even the uh, the writers, and I think this was a theme for, for the three of us over there. Josh always said, you know, they need us more than we need them because, of course, we like to have interviews so that we can promote this site and show that we're a legitimate news source. But they also need people and press to promote their stuff. And so you kind of want them to reveal a little something. I mean, it doesn't need to be a huge earth shattering spoiler, but enough to, you know, get us excited. And especially about that book, We Are Robin, where only one issue had been out. We don't really know what's going on. It seems like a very intriguing and interesting idea, but you know, some more information would have been great. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, the biggest thing with that book was, we don't know anything about it other than Duke Thomas is in the book. And some of the questions that you were asking that he was deflecting were just kind of like, really? Why wouldn't you answer that question? Like, the biggest question for me was, what can you tell us about, you know, these other Robins in the book? Well, we mm-hmm. haven't really talked about any of those other Robins yet, but you will, we will in two weeks. So check out the book in two weeks. It's like, that's not promoting the book. That's just basically saying, I'm not going to tell you anything. Go spend money to find out. Instead of trying to build some sort of like intrigue of 
why do you want us to go, or why would I want to go out and buy the book if I know nothing about it in the first place? You know, just because the name Robin's on the book doesn't mean it's a surefire, everyone's going to read it. So, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I, you know, we'll talk about We Are Robin in a little bit when we get to our spotlight, but, like, in general, it's it's really disconcerting when writers do that in general, where they just a- answer their question, well, well, let's see, or, I mean, and, and I don't really have anything bad to say about the Tim Seeley, Tom King uh, interview because I thought that was one of the better interviews that that you you guys did at, at San Diego. But there was a point in that interview where they asked, "Oh, which book has come out yet? Is is ten out yet? I don't oh, know if yeah. you can talk about that because ten's not out yet." <laughs> and I'm just sitting here thinking, the book's coming out in two weeks. You're not going to ruin anything that's going to prevent someone from going to buy the book within two weeks. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Like you could give away the ending of a comic and someone is not like the majority of the people who are reading this are not going to be like, Oh my, he gave it away. I don't need to buy it. That that just doesn't happen. And if that's the mindset that DC has made their writers have, that's really sad. Well, too, I think you, I've kind of noticed this, that some middle of the road pack books, when you have an outgoing creative team that people like and give good interviews, I think it does help sales. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at how good the Batgirl creative team has been with people oh, and yeah. how good they are on social media, always sharing things that they've drawn and tweet. I mean, I mean, and doing cool stuff. And I think people get engaged, but then you have other guys, I won't say any names, that just like, they're like, read it if you want, don't, if you don't, whatever. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I think it matters. Also, there's also this thing about you, you, it can't just be about thanking fans for compliments about the book. It has to be engaging the fans of the book because it, and I really, I hate to keep poking, you know, Lee Bermejo when it comes to this stuff, but I follow Lee Bermejo on Twitter. He never ever talks about We Are Robin ever. He never mentions it at all. And I don't even know why I bother following him. He, he never talks about the book. The day that the book came out, he made a comment about all oh, the books out today. Let me know what you guys think. And then, like, I guess he got, you know, responses and people were saying they really enjoyed it. And for that day and the next day only, he made comments about, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with how many people really, you know, have liked the book, blah, blah, blah. But then after two days, it just went back to his normal, I don't, you know, have anything to do with these titles. I'm not going to talk about them, blah, blah, blah. And it's that kind of stuff that, like... I get it. You know, I personally am not a huge Twitter person. You know, I use Twitter to the degree of trying to promote stuff that's happening on the website or random stuff that, you know, is Batman related for the website. I don't have a personal Twitter account. I don't, you know, that's just not what I do. But I know that there's plenty of people who do do it. And the thing is, there's a huge amount of people who follow people on Twitter where it's just, you're just, you're just, that's free press, free press. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And if you can't engage free press, that's just, you're, you, it's pointless. I mean, the thing is, you look at some of the stuff like Batgirl and Gotham Academy and how those books have kind of, they've got a huge core audience now. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that their creators are so involved with the fan base, which says a lot because that's what you need. I mean, and maybe the case is with We Are Robin, it does have an expiration date. It is only going to be around for a certain amount of time. And because of that, you know, there's no real reason for them to get super invested in. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what goes through writers' minds. I mean, Snyder 
he doesn't sit there and give away spoilers on Twitter and stuff, but he'll have these random Q and A's where he'll let people ask him questions and he'll pick and choose which ones he answers. And like most of the time, the questions are the same stuff that you would read if you were reading the interviews or reading some of the other stuff that is out there about him. But like in general, sometimes every once in a while, something slips up and it's like, Oh, that's new. I didn't know that there was this whole controversy about something that happened in swamp thing that I never even knew about that he brought up on Twitter one time, and it was enlightening to know that, you know, something crazy could happen in a book, and it could get by so many people up until, like, the very last person who checked it realized what what it is, and then it had to get pulled. And I'm not going to go into it. If you want to know what it is, go search Swamp Thing, uh, Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing uh, Tentacles. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, dear. Uh, but there was, there was a crazy situation that happened and like he, he went and give, he gave in depth about everything. And, and like, I know that there's some writers out there who they spend time and they have their own personal blogs and they talk about stuff on their blogs. There's, there's artists who do that too, or they'll have like their deviant arts where they'll post some of their stuff that they're doing on the books. But in general, that's, that's that. The other thing, the other bit of news we have comes on July 22nd, uh, as we, I don't know that we mentioned it before because it kind of was not necessarily listed as comic news, but, uh, if you remember last year, there was, in 2014, there was a Batman day where comic book shops had some free Batman stuff that you, that they gave out, like masks, and they had a free Batman comic they, they gave out, which reprinted a lot of the stories that were in Detective Comics number 27, the, the new, the new Detective Comics 27 that came out in January 2014. Well, uh, as it turns out, DC decided they're going to have Batman Day yet again this year. And Batman Day this year is going to be on September 26th, which is, and the, the special issue that's going to come out is called Batman Endgame Special Number One, which is supposedly going to reprint the beginning of the recent Endgame storyline starting the Justice League and the Joker. So that's what we can look forward to. There might be also be inside that same one a preview of Batman Eternal. I've heard rumblings about that online as well, uh, or Batman and Robin Eternal, uh, since that's coming out literally like a couple weeks after Batman Day. So um, those are two things to just keep on your radar for... You know, if you, you know, keep in mind Batman Day free stuff. So, all right. So that is all of our comic news. We're going to get straight into our comic book reviews and we're going to start off with a couple of books. Uh, the very first one we have is Batman 66, number 25. This covers digital chapters number 62 through 63. Uh, Gary, he reviewed this and gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, basically the gist of this is that Harley Quinn is introduced into Batman 66. Uh, surprise, surprise, she is involved with roller derby. So take a look at <laughs> That's the- That's not a surprise. <laughs> it totally sees down her, her alley. Yes, yes it does. Um, t- definitely, also it's interesting because they, they explain because, uh, those of you who've, who have not been reading Batman 66, Arkham Asylum is not Arkham Asylum, it's, uh, the Arkham Institute. It's not, you know, like the crazy, insane asylum that we know Arkham Asylum to be. So she still comes from the Arkham Institute, but in a completely different way than what we're used to. So uh, I strongly suggest you check out the review for more detailed information on that. 
Uh, next up, Justice League Gods and Monsters, Batman number one. Now this covers digital chapters one through three of that specific title. Um, this one gives, this is basically the entire one shot of the Batman story for Justice League Gods and Monsters. Uh, Jim reviewed this. He gave it five out of five. And he specifically said that it is a great story set in like something similar to the Else Worlds, where you know it's not the Batman that we know. Obviously, if you don't know anything about Justice League Gods and Monsters, the basic gist is it's a much more violent, sex crazed universe than sex crazed. <laughs> I'd say Wonder Woman's a little bit of sex crazed. Oh, character. no doubt about it. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, Batman is not Bruce Wayne, it's actually Kirk Langstrom, and he's an actual vampire. Um, so, the detailed, uh, the detailed review gives you the entire synopsis of what everything happens. Joe Chill, Lou Moxon, they all show up in the story as well, so that was an interesting read as well. Next up, Grayson number 10, uh, reviewed by Corbin. He gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, and in this one, we pick up right where the last issue kept was, where we have Agent One trying to hunt down Dick because Dick thinks that Agent Number One is the one who's doing it. And I'm just gonna kind of like jump all over the place here, but the basic gist of everything that happens is, uh, Dick has to go deal with Lex Luthor, um, who of course, Lex Luthor is the person who revealed Dick to be Nightwing and also uh, had to kill him in order for everyone to believe that he was dead. So they have some history. And he has to deal with Lex Luthor, dealing with some, uh, technology. And, but he doesn't have, uh, but his normal, his hypnos and his mask, it doesn't work when he's with, when he's around Luthor because Luthor knows the tech behind all of it. Um, and then we also see at the Vatican, Agent One is attacked by another Dick Grayson. So there's potentially two Dick Graysons out there. Who knows who the second one is? I'm going to put money on that it's not Clayface. I, I couldn't. Was that a joke? Yeah, I know. My very weak, weak jokes. Okay. I wasn't sure. He's not Clayface. Okay. What are we doing with, what are we doing with Clayface here? Oh, wow. All right. I'm just going to cut my joke completely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Now it's just funny because of yeah, how now, now it's become awkwardly funny. All right. Next, we have We Are Robin number two. This was reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four out of five. Whoa. And basically, you know, this was another, there wasn't a whole lot that happened in this issue, but we do get introductions to a lot of different characters. There is a person walking around who is has disguised themselves, who seems to be the benefactor of this Robin group. Um, there's, I've seen some different things online about maybe it's Alfred who's, you know, the, the benefactor. Uh, there's somebody still watching the Robins from afar. Uh, we don't know if they're involved with the person who randomly gives them equipment. Uh, Duke gets a Robin jacket and a motorcycle in this issue and we get introduced to some of the character, some of the other Robins, not very many of them, but we find out most of their names. So, uh, that's basically we are Robin. Alright, so then we have Gotham by Midnight, reviewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. Basically, in this issue, we have, uh, Corrigan and Drake. Uh, they have to go investigate some sort of murder. Meanwhile, we have Kate Spencer. As we know, uh, pre-New 52, she was Manhunter. Yep. Uh, Kate Spencer, she is dealing with 
uh, Lieutenant Sam, who's kind of the, the guy who's in charge of the midnight shift. Uh, we get a backstory from, uh, Sam about, uh, how he got assigned to, uh, the midnight shift and why Gordon put him in charge of it and why Gordon felt it was necessary to have this, this group that investigated these supernatural things. And he's trying to explain this to Kate because internal affairs is going to be coming after the shift and she's trying to help them not get in trouble. Um, on the other side of town uh, with, uh, Drake and Corrigan investigating a, uh, you know, a, mur- a murder that happened. We find out, uh, this is at Blackgate prison. We find out that something horrible happened and Corrigan basically says that Spectre has to come out because he has no choice. And they find out that there was, uh, a bunch of people killed in the, in the prison, and it was a total of like 50 to 55 different people who had been dead for over a week, and the Spectre was the one who figured it all out. Uh, next up, Harley Quinn, Power Girl number two. Gary reviewed this one, and it got three and a half out of five batterings. I'm not even going to bother going into details on all of this, as I didn't do last month. Uh, if you want to know what happened, read Gary's uh, review. I have to say, for whatever reason, this review was the top article that was written on the website that got the most traffic. So either we have a ton of Harley Quinn fans or somebody posted this review because this was a high traffic article. So I don't know if people are just going bonkers for Harley Quinn and Power Girdle or what, but nonetheless, if you, I mean, Gary did a great job of detailing everything that happens. It's just extremely difficult to bullet point what actually happens in this book. So read the review if you are interested, but he did give it three and a half out of five. All right, next up we have Teen Titans number 10, reviewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. Now, this issue was kind of different than last month. Last month, if you remember correctly, we kind of complained about how, you know, they this was one of the few books that didn't really feel like it had a fresh start. Well, this month it was a little bit different. They started answering some of the questions that... Uh, Answering some of the questions that they left the questions open way back at the in uh, at the end of March when the annual came out, or at the beginning of April when the annual came out. Um, but th- this, there's a lot of different things that are happening in this book. There's three different teams. Uh, one team is kind of led by Red Robin, which is some of the normal Titans we would associate. But then. Uh, uh, we have Kid Flash manning the team, who the team ends up getting taken over by Wonder Girl. A lot of different things happening, but a lot of questions got answered, so this was definitely an improvement over last month's issue. Next up, we have Batgirl number 42. Stella, give us the bullet points for <laughs> this one. Bullet points. You think I can cut it down so short, don't you? Uh, well, it's picking up where the last one left off, where Livewire disappeared and... Jim Gordon inside the Batman suit is basically saying that he's about to take Batgirl in and he gets her five seconds, which is a little strange, but they meet in this uh, construction area. And I would say one of the big points, which is interesting and appears in a book that's not Batman or detective is the fact that because it's powers and everything, they're very much surveilling him and what he does. So he shuts his suit down and he only has a limited amount of time and basically says that he's not, planning to take her in, but he just needs them to stop. Uh, but Powers wants them to, 
he wants him to do a little something extra. So he tells Batgirl that she just needs to go back to whatever she does in real life. And she runs away. And, uh, but they end up teaming up again later on with Livewire and, uh, they have a nice special moment. And there's sort of hints that she may be hinting to her father slightly that, you know, it is Barbara Gordon and there are question, there's just a big question of whether he, he he catches on or not, but but that's the the big thing. So she's still she's still running around. Don reviewed that one. He gave it four and a half out of five, and then we also had a Batgirl annual that came out, and Don gave that one four out of five. What happened in that one, Stella? This was uh, almost a, a mod podge of several different stories that really went together well, and uh, it was almost a team up book. Really. So the first one, Babs is team, well, the first section of it, she's teaming up with Helena Bertinelli, Bertinelli and, uh, Dick Grayson, who happens to be in town and they're going after this secret organization. And meanwhile, you know, Helena has to basically block Babs from seeing Dick whatsoever because Dick knows that mask or not, hypnos or not, she's going to recognize his moves. Uh, and it's okay. I mean, she actually sees his butt, and uh, she relates that to Dick Grayson's butt, but she doesn't believe that it's his because, of course, he's dead. And this this secret organization and what they're doing continues throughout, so she also teams up with Batwoman at one point, and then later on goes to Gotham Academy. So there are just these really cool team-ups that you wouldn't expect to have happen in a Batgirl book, but they were really fun, and the art changes um, for each of the stories, which I thought was actually a nice little touch. All right. And then the other annual that we had this month was Gotham by Midnight, annual number one. Uh, this one was reviewed by Jim, and he gave it a total of four out of five. And basically the gist of this one was uh, Jim Craddock, as we know, Gentleman Ghost. He makes yeah. an appearance, and he basically ends up having a battle against the Spectre, uh, because he's basically trying to have a fight with Corrigan and Drake because they're investigating something that, uh, basically something that's century, centuries old. So take a look at the website for that review as well. And that is actually all of our spotlight books that we have reviews for. Um, as far as some other, well, there's actually only one. The only other book that uh, is worth noting was Justice League 3000 number two. Or 3001, I should say. Justice League 3001, number two came out, uh, features Batman as well, so you could take a look at that one. We don't have that one on the website, but that one is out there. Alright, so, Spotlight, breeze through that pretty quickly. Let's get straight over into our listener Q&As. Alright, so first off, I'm going to skip ahead and I'm going to read Stella's comment that she left off our last episode. Now, if you all remember, Stella was not with us on the last episode because Stella, as she points out in her comment, she was not on vacation. She just wasn't with us. Yeah, she was not on vacation. She just wasn't here. Mm -hmm. So... All right, so she says, uh, you, you said, unfortunately, I'm joking. Stella's not really gone. Shouldn't it be fortunately, not unfortunately? Well, here's the thing about me and the <laughs> word fortunately. Oh, gosh. Whenever I say something, it always comes out unfortunately because I just never say the phrase for or say the word fortunately. 
So I was not trying to, you know, specifically try to say that I wanted Stella gone. I'm sure that's the way Stella listened to it and was like, wait, 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 what? That's why she wrote it. Then she said, uh, now for the question, did you notice Jim says Babs drew on his tobacco patches? What do you think of that? Now, I noticed that too. Um, and I guess here, here's, here's my question. What exactly is the question behind that? Like, <laughs> because I'm trying to understand like what, what you're getting at. Like, yes, I did notice that he said that, but he said something about like she drew on horns or something like that. But when they looked at the, the patches, it looked like it was actually it looked like bats. bats stuff. Yeah, it looked like bats. But I yeah. thought he said the word horns. Um, but either way, what is the question behind it? Like, is are you trying to imply that she's bad because she did that? Or no, is it no, a character? Just, <laughs> no, I just thought it was interesting that, um, number one, I feel like that's the first time that they've ever talked about their... Like, it seems like there's a relationship there because it, I feel like we haven't really delved into that in the Batman book. But number two, if she is drawing bats on there for him, remember, he's not supposed to have told anyone. So I thought that was a little strange. Wait, well, I, cause just, she's also, I, I just I just was trying better. to understand what your actual question was. It was well, more like, a, here's an observation. Here's an observation. Yeah. Did you see That's, it? Yes, I did see it. So, all right. <laughs> no, Moving no, right no. along. <laughs> All right. Terry writes in and says, Hey guys, right. another great episode. I was legitimately sad when you said Stella wouldn't be back. I won't be well, so thanks. easily to fool next time. I just wanted to comment about Dustin's theory about the possibility that Bruce Wayne we've seen in the last two issues of Batman might be a clone from Bruce's cloning program he started in Detective Comics number 27. As much as I hope this wouldn't be the truth, I commented with that exact theory on episode 159, which was read on number 160. I guess great minds think alike. Now I, I hate to say this, but I really wasn't paying attention during the whole Convergence thing. Ed obviously was there, so he could atone to that. He goes on to say, but even before we saw Bruce seeming, seems, even before we saw that Bruce seems completely out of his element and maybe doesn't remember some things about his life, I thought that the easiest way to bring Bruce Wayne back while also leaving the Joker dead would be to bring Bruce and Bruce's Batman back as a clone, leaving the original Bruce and the Joker actually still dead. I especially still think this might be a possibility because Snyder is so focused on themes of death, and Bruce's ultimate victory over death that the Joker confronts him with would be to essentially say, I have found a way to be immortal. Anyway, I still hope that that isn't the case, but Snyder very rarely gives us a plot point that he doesn't circle back around to eventually. I guess we'll have to see what the future brings. Ed, I know you got some thoughts on this. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, this is starting to have a worrisome trend in my, in my mind. Uh, I, I don't think that he's going to do this. I just don't. Um, I know all the evidence kind of points that this, this makes perfect. By the way, there's nothing that this doesn't make sense, but I just can't see him doing it. I can't see the lead character in the book, Batman, who will eventually be the lead character. Again, I think we'd all that really being a clone. Can you, I mean, well, you don't think he's really going to do it. Uh, I mean, like I said, the last episode, here's my thing. I think it probably is a clone. I don't think anybody's going to know it's a clone until later on down the road when all of a sudden the real Bruce emerges from that cave because that's just what's going to happen. I mean, I guess the the turning point on whether or not this is the clone or not is going to be whenever we find out where the heck Alfred is. 
which I'm assuming is going to be sooner rather than later. But the fact that Bruce slash Batman could potentially not be involved in Batman and Robin Eternal leads me to also believe that this is probably not Bruce that we know. You know, my my thing, too, is I think I need to go back and read that the cloning stuff again to see because, you know, how Snyder is. Uh, when we did the thing with, with, uh, the Joker's alter ego, what was his name? I can't remember now. Oh, uh, what was the Joker calling himself when he was working in Arkham Asylum? Uh, oh. Eric Border. Eric Border. Remember he dropped the Eric Border stuff a year before we ever got the payoff, right? Yeah. With just like a one-off line. Yeah. So I would be curious to go back and reread these, the cloning stuff and see if there is some little nugget buried in there. Cause if, if he was planning on using it in such a grand fashion, I bet there's something that could be gleamed by uh, rereading that that stuff. So, now Stella, you weren't here last week. What do you think about the uh, the whole cloning idea? <laughs> I think it'd be, you know, I'm all for doing something different, to be honest. Um, and I understand your reservation, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that, I mean, when you say Bruce Wayne, you want the the original, you know, the real the genuine article, shady, if you will, exactly. But you know, I I was one of those people that almost you know, thought, well, what if he goes on, right? I said vacation or he actually dies and then we bring someone else on. I'm okay with doing something new. I think at a certain point you need to bring the actual Bruce Wayne back. But, you know, what what a twist it would be to have someone that you are believing to be the actual Bruce Wayne and then dun-dun-dun, it's actually not. So I, I would be okay with it. I mean, I, I think that this continuity has proved that there's so much freedom to do these things, um, sure. almost creating like an else world, but in continuity. So why not use that while you have it? And so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. But you're absolutely right about rereading, I think, things because I think Snyder, however wordy he is, the devil's in the details and he's putting lots of little devils in there because I think that everything he does has a very specific purpose and things may not pop up when you imagine them to, like the next issue, but he's biding his time for the, the real drop of the other show. So That was the Future's End issues, right? And 27? I don't think it was future. I think it was just 27. Wasn't one of the future's end issues though? Like in the oh, future? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and there was a clone? Issue, yeah, it was a, I don't know that it was a clone. It was but it something says about dealing it, right? with the cloning because Alfred is there. There was something about the tubes that the clones are made in and having to go to Lex Luthor to get some sort of piece of something technology for yeah. the cloning process. So that means I don't he's going to two issues like, then. Yeah. So that means it's not just a one I mean, I mean, this is a narrative he's drawn for him in the past and the future. So oh, that's even more, more damning there. evidence. Yes, yep. it is. All right. So that's Terry's comments. Uh, next we have Albert. He says, Dustin, you had my heart drop for a second when you said Stella would no longer be on the podcast. Aww. I almost had a Marlon Brando from Streetcar <laughs> named Desire Stella moment. You got me. Glad it was only a joke. Man, two people I tricked, including Oh, it's just, I don't mean to, to toot my own horn here. Oh my but, gosh. But, yeah, yeah, a do. week, a week, <laughs> a week before we recorded that episode, I came up with that joke and made a big deal to Stella about how she couldn't ruin my joke for her, for me by telling everybody she wasn't going to be around. So I'm glad that I actually got two people out of 
the number, you know, out of the people that listen to this podcast. And, I'm glad the, that and two the death of you. story also, let me just say that I was trying my best to be on that show. I was saying, you know, I can, you know, I can do something. I'm not leaving until Sunday. We can do something on Saturday. And Dustin said, no, you're not going to be on this show because I, I got a got joke. joke. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. He, he did. He barred me. It was like an embargo for an entire episode. Yes. Yeah, an embargo. So I could tell my, my, my wonderful <laughs> joke that worked. For at least two people. All right, moving right along. <laughs> at least it's not the clayface joke thing. It was better oh. than that. Uh, don't worry, I'm not quitting my day job to become a stand-up comedian anytime soon. All right, all right. Albert continues on, says, I hadn't even thought of the Snyder clone possibility until you mentioned it, and sadly it could make sense because didn't Batman get a bit disfigured in his fight with the Joker, i.e. the card through the eye? And this Bruce Wayne seems to have no facial scarring. I hope it's not the case because a clone Batman would would open up so many cans of worms. As for Detective, I really enjoyed the direction they were going. I had become just as excited to read Manipul and Buccioletto's Detective as I had Batman. I certainly agree with you guys. They were kneecapped and it's a shame. That being said, I think they are doing a really good job with the cards that they were dealt, all things considered. Do you think that there's a possibility of Scott Snyder fatigue? I've heard rumblings by some who do want him to leave after 50. How do you guys feel? Another great pod. Keep up the good work. Stella, come back. You were missed. All right, so I will say this. Uh, I think to a degree there is some Snyder fatigue. And here, here's the thing, okay? And I think I've said this before, but when it comes to the books in general, the the, the bat line of books... Batman is always, Batman and Detective Comics are always going to be the top of the tier books. They should have the best creators, they should have the best stories, and what happens in those books should, you know, bleed into the other books. Uh, You know, we should be seeing the other things happen. But with Snyder's stuff in Batman, outside of the events like Night of Owls, Death of the Family, uh, Zero Year to a Degree, Outside of those one-month crossovers that we've seen, they don't. The stuff really doesn't bleed into the books. The only real thing that bled into the books was after Joker, the whole Joker uh, death, death of the family story, where everybody just didn't want to associate with Batman, and it was more. It felt like it was more of a Snyder doesn't want to touch any of those other characters, so they're all just going to be pissed off at him and not want to work with him. Um, here's here's my thing. I was thinking about this because I, I've been reading some of the. I've been picking up some of the old, not old comics, but stuff that's from before the New 52 that we were, that we actually did review at some point on the comic cast or even back when we reviewed stuff on the, the, the TBU podcast. I was reading stuff like Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul, Black Glove, uh, some of the, the other books like, uh, the Hush stuff that Paul Dini did in Streets of Gotham. And I was reading a lot of this stuff recently, and I was thinking to myself, you know, to me, the best time for the Bat Books was actually that time. It wasn't, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I like what they're doing now, I like that there's a lot of different types of books and things like that, but as far as having a really, really good handle on everything that's happening in all of the Bat Books and everything kind of going together. Like, that's not to say that every character has to be involved in each story, but, like, Nightwing had a reason why he wasn't involved in the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. He, you know, he, was sta- he wasn't stationed in Bloodhaven. He wasn't stationed in Gotham City. He was actually based out of New York City at the time. So there's 
there was a reason for everything. Everything had a reason. You know, there was the whole thing about Robin or Tim Drake changing his name to Red Robin because he didn't want to be associated with Damien. Not because mm-hmm. I don't want to be associated because the because Jason Todd died and he was Robin. I don't want to be Robin. I'm always going to be Red Robin. You know, they tried to change a lot of things. But anyway, my point was, getting back to this fatigue, one thing I've noticed across a lot of the books with Snyder stuff is that he dictates a lot of what happens within the Bat universe. And, like, there's very few books that don't feel ramifications. Honestly, the only book at this point that really is not affected by Snyder is Gotham Academy because it doesn't, it's so loosely tied to Gotham City and Batman that it doesn't really make a big difference of what's happening where it's going to jeopardize what they're trying to do in that book. But every other story is affected by whatever Snyder does. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but even going back to when Grant Morrison was at the peak of telling everything that he was, or telling the stories that he were, he was telling in the pages of, of Batman, he still didn't even have as big of an effect on all of the other titles where he changed, like, even when Batman, when Grant Morrison killed Batman in Final Crisis and Batman disappeared and Grant Morrison was telling that miniseries, The Return of Bruce Wayne, even when that was all happening, the only thing that happened was, you know, Dick became Batman and the stories continued. Like, they didn't shift everything around. You know, there was still books happening. Robin still had his book. You know, Batman and Robin just switched to being Dick and, and Damien. And to a degree, like, I still don't feel like that, the, the changes that Morrison did were as large as what Snyder does, where, and Detective is the perfect example, how they were telling their story, and because of what Snyder did, they had to change their story. Now, we're probably never going to know what actually happened, how it all went down. But my thought is that they had every intention of telling their story. They were told that they had to change. They said, well, that's not really what we had planned because if we, we know that they were telling their own story, their own detective comic story that didn't necessarily have to happen exactly the same time as Batman Endgame and all of this, but because they want the stuff so closely tied together, they basically said, well, you have to use this new Batman. Didn't work with their story. And they, they were kneecapped. And the problem is, I feel like it all happens because of whatever Snyder's doing. And it's not necessarily Snyder's fault. It's DC's reaction to Snyder's book selling so many copies. Batman has always been a really good seller. Detective Comics has always been a decent seller. Those two, honestly, over the sales charts flip flip-flop back and forth depending on what creators on on the books. There was a point where Paul Dini was on Detective Comics and it was actually outselling Grant Morrison's Batman. I mean, it just depends on who's the creator on the book for those two flip-flop, which one's selling more. And since the New 52, Snyder's been on Batman, so Batman's been the top seller. But it really feels like Snyder has too much of a pull of what happens. And... To me, I I don't like that it's just one person and one person's ideas. Like, the fact that he goes on record and says, this Jim Gordon was something that I brought to DC. I never in a million years would have thought they would have let me do it. But they did let them him do it. And then in turn, they made all of these other books react to the exact same thing that Snyder himself never thought would actually be okay to happen. 
And that's that's my problem. My problem is I don't understand why DC I mean like I get no I, I guess I do understand why. It's because Batman sells hundred and forty thousand so copies a month. Yeah, yeah. It sells so many <laughs> copies, but I feel like the re I, I don't know, like it's hard to say because honestly Scott Snyder and, and no offense to Scott Snyder, I like his stuff, but I don't feel like it's any better than some of the Grant Morrison stuff that he did with Batman or some of Paul Dini's stuff that he did or Brian Azzarello's stuff that he's done with Batman. Like, I don't feel like it's necessarily any better. I don't know what warrants it being so many more sales than everything else. That's the one thing that I guess I don't understand is why people are buying, so, like, why is there so many more people buying Batman than the other books, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than people just talk about it. But even then, like, I think it's, I mean, it's the name. It's all about branding. People it, know it, Scott Snyder now, so they're going to pick up Scott Snyder books. That's, and I would, I would, I would believe that, but I'm wondering if Snyder, let's say, for example, Capullo says, no, DC's not going to chalk up enough money. Snyder says, okay, fine, I'm not going to be on that anymore. What happens if they decide that they're going to take Snyder and team him with a new artist and put him on Detective Comics? Would Detective Comics sell more, or yes. do you really think Instantly. it's you think Absolutely. it's just the Snyder name? I think. Well, it's, listen, right now, if you take the Batman's current sales, right? If you add Detective Comics, Superman, and Green Lantern, those are all three. Yeah. Should be pretty big books. Together, they aren't selling as many copies of Batman as every month. Think about See, but I'm wondering, because here's the other thing. Okay, let's just say, for example, that they put Snyder on Detective Comics. Detective Comics obviously doesn't have the name Batman across the title. I also feel like that has something to do with it, because there was there was a point in time where sure. they, had, they, they actually had the book titled Batman in Detective Comics, mm. because... Because of that very reason, because when you see Detective Comics, you don't know who's in the book. I mean, obviously, there's a cover, and it normally shows Batman, but people sometimes don't put two and two together, I guess. But the reality of it is, like, I want to know, like, if they switch books. Because I feel like, when you look at the sales numbers, I don't feel like Capullo was this ridiculously large force. It's not Capullo. Yeah, that that came from somewhere else and was like... Here I am. I came from Spawn. This I'm going to propel this book into the 100K club. It it just wasn't Capullo. I mean, he was on it's, Spawn. Spawn does not sell yeah, that many copies. Sells. No, no. This is no knock. Capullo's art is good. You know. Yes, but, I agree. That's not why it's selling. I, I think the reason is, I think it's two reasons. Um, one, it's people are going to get angry at me, and then hopefully reason two will make them not be as angry at me. One, I think that, that – and I love Snyder's work. I'm probably the biggest Snyder apologist on the cast. I think we'd all agree with that, yes. right? Um, I think Snyder's stuff is so much more digestible than Manipool and Buccioletto's work. What I mean, it's not as complex. And I'm not saying that to be – Snyder has a lot of layers, like Stella said. But if you just want to read it and not get into the rest of the layers, it's very – it's got like a very top, easy to read feel. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I, I do I not agree I, with yeah, you. I don't agree with that at all. No. Not just, at all. I, I, with okay, the stuff compa- we've read for this show, there's no way. But if you since we look into it. Comparing Snyder's work to Manipool and Buccioletto's, there is a difference. And I feel like there, the different, the main difference is that the, the 
uh, Manipool and Buccioletto stuff has actually been more about Harvey and building the relationship between Harvey and Batman because Gordon's not hasn't been around. He wasn't around because of what was happening, what happened in Eternal. So they were trying to build Batman to have a a different relationship with GCPD and they used Harvey to do it. That's fine. I'm not saying it's necessarily easier to read than, than Snyder's, but Snyder's stuff is not easy to read. There are so many other things out there that are so much easier. Like Paul Dini is probably to me, one of the better uh, writers because he can write stuff that anybody can read Anybody can get into, like, some of the stuff that he did in Streets of Gotham and some of, like, even his, like, original villain creations, or, uh, well, they weren't necessarily villains. I, I don't think, that, I mean, like, honestly, yes, you're right in the regards of there are layers to Snyder's stuff, and you can choose not to peel it back. But at the same time, I feel as if the, you do not get the full effect of it if you don't feel, peel it back, and it can't be as critically well received as it is if it's not pulled, if those layers aren't pulled back. So Joe Schmo walking in off the street is going to read it and they're not going to, I mean, what are they really getting that they're not, that nobody else is getting by reading, you know, a book like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, to a degree Superman or Green Lantern, like you brought up. Well, and I think that it's, it's weird because I have a, a kind of a weird perspective on this because my wife doesn't read a lot of comics, Right. But she she reads all of Snyder's stuff and Batman and trade and has tried to read Detective and stuff like that and has zero interest in it. Just doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I can't tell you why. I mean, what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe it sells 142,000 copies because he just appeals to a wider group of people. You know, I mean, because it's I mean, I know people that will read Snyder's Batman that have read Court of Owls and things like that, but have would have no interest in reading anything that Butchlet or Manipul, Detective, we are, I mean, anything like that. And I don't know, I guess I don't really know why, but I know that it exists. I mean, you can see by the sales numbers and I can see by personal experiences in my life that people will read Snyder stuff and enjoy it and have no, don't want to do the rest of the stuff. So is it, maybe the answer is it's just better than the other stuff, even if we don't want to say it. I I guess to me. I mean, you know what I'm saying though. I mean, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, but to a degree, like, here's the thing. One of the best Snyder, and maybe it's just because I don't enjoy super complex stories. Maybe that's the reasoning too. I don't know, but the Black Mirror story that Snyder did—that was not complicated to any degree of any of these other stories that he's written in Batman. And I feel like that was like to me that is the best Snyder story that I ever read was that one, and it's because it was just like it wasn't so large, it wasn't so blown up to the point where, like, everything had to be involved in it, it just told a story, and, like, it feels, and and like I said, it could not be, maybe it's not Snyder at all, maybe it's just DC trying to capitalize on those sales, which is probably 99% of the case, but I just, I feel like there is a Scott Snyder fatigue, because I just wish there was something different going on in the books, and part of it is like he said himself, a lot of the stuff that he's written is very dark. And when that stuff crosses over into the other books, it can still come across extremely dark, even if the book isn't that same tone. So, I mean, like, to me, I feel like maybe he doesn't get to tell a little bit lighter story. The Jim Gordon story that he's telling now is a little bit lighter. But, I mean, we don't know what the direction is going. But I also feel like he just has too much. Like, think of it like this. Grant Morrison changed so many different things in such a short amount of time for Bruce Wayne and Batman. 
But by this time it was all said and done, he put everything right back where it was. And with Snyder, it's not like that. Snyder puts things wherever he wants them and just leaves them. Well, I think that when you, especially the comments you read earlier, we talked about the fact that Endgame was originally supposed to be their, their, well, their Endgame, right? Yeah. Like, I think that, I mean, your, your comments are very true there. So remember, so Snyder was basically his walk off, drop the mic and walk away moment would have been, I just killed Batman and the Joker. See you later. I mean, that's, that would have been what his walk off was, you know? Um, see, to me, I have a problem with that. Like, if you yeah. want to tell us, if you want to tell a story where you kill Batman, you kill the Joker, you can tell it. But that's, that's where you, you do that in a one shot or you do that in a graphic novel, you know, where it doesn't necessarily affect everything else going on. That's the, the biggest issue I have with the stuff that Snyder does is it affects so many different layers of the Batman universe just because he's doing it. You know, if that was supposed to be his drop the mic moment and he's done, fine. But then how would that have actually been followed up by anybody else? Oh, they just pretend like it didn't happen. I don't know. up from a dream. (laughs) I have no idea. But here's the thing too that, that does bear some thought. The reason that Snyder sales may be so high as well is look at the stuff that he gets to write. Since the new 52, but I mean, there's been little crossovers, but both Joker stories were in Batman, right? The origin, the zero year, which was the new 52 origin was told in Batman. I mean, so the bigger stories are, are being told in Batman too. Does that make any sense? Yes, like, it does. It, it's, it's the, like the big Riddler story, the big origin story, the big Joker stories. Those are all being told in Batman. Yeah. So maybe there is something to that too, that that's where the, the big stuff is happening. But now I don't know. I mean, as far as fatigue though, I don't really feel like it because right now, if you handed me every comic book for the month that I was going to read on all the bat titles, even and said, which one are you going to read first? What's the first one you're going to read? Well, right now it's Batman, but honestly, during Endgame, I read, I, Batman was not the one that I would read during Endgame because most of the time you end up hearing what happens in in, in the issue before it even comes out, so then you already know. But like, taking that aside, even if you didn't like it, was it the one that you were most interested in what was going to happen next if you didn't know what was going to happen? But I think, okay, yes, but I feel like that's more of a because the book has so much clout on what everything else, on how everything else works its way out too. If Batman lives, but Gotham City has a nuke that gets dropped on it, and all these other characters get killed, but Batman's still living and Snyder's still kicking, telling stories of Batman in Metropolis. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand what you're saying, but I think that some of it is the fact that he. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. Doesn't he always ask us a question? Right, in, in Endgame, it was is Joker mortal and death of the family was does the Joker know who, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that with those big questions, I think that gets people, even those that may not read every title like we do in the Bat Universe, I think it gets the casual reader into those storylines. You know, I mean, the casual reader is reading it, going, is Joker mortal? Does he know who Batman is? I and mean, what's the riddle? I mean, and I think that people really get pulled in by those stories. I, I think he asks interesting questions. Even if we don't always like the question or how it ends up, I think they're interesting. And I think that's, that's the biggest part of the battle sometimes, right? Is being interested. If you're a non-hardcore bat title person and you don't read everything, you pick and choose what you read, right? And you read Batman, you read this Joker story and anybody who knows the basics about comics can get behind the story of does bat, does the Joker know who Batman is? Right? 
is the Joker a more? I mean, I'm saying like those are concepts that are very easy to get behind, even if you have nothing else that's going on. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, right? But I'm just saying it does appeal to. And that was kind of the point I was to make earlier. Of it does appeal to. I don't, I'm not saying it's simpler storytelling, but it's one that's more easily identifiable for everyone to read the book to get into the story. Yeah. Well, and I like that, that we've been, we, yeah. Well, I, I will at least pop in on the, the, the fatigue since I didn't talk about that at all. But I, I think about Ultimate Spider-Man over at Marvel and just that Brian Mike, like the first volume, just that Brian Michael Bendis did a hundred plus issues. Um, and I don't know if anyone was fatigued, but there is this nice thing about being able to read one particular writer for an extended amount of time. And it's almost like, you know, Harry Potter. I don't think we would have liked J.K. Rowling all of a sudden hopping off after book two. You want some sort of continuity, um, with, with the, uh, with the, with the author. And, you know, I like Snyder. Um, I may be like 80% on board with the stories that he's told. I mean, there have been hits and misses, but, but I think that he understands the character of Batman and I think he is trying to give us different things. And so if you want to to continue on, as long as he's telling good stories, I think that's great. I I am on the side of, of uh, Dustin there. (laughs) Shocker. Yes. Uh, Shocker for the, for the year. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) The fact I'm buttering him up so he doesn't kick me off again. Um, (laughs) The fact that he does seem to have so much power and I wonder if there's any way to have better collaboration. And I, I remember you guys discussing this on that previous episode, just the fact that, you know, Buccellato and Manipool, did they have this problem and that, or did they have this idea? And then all of a sudden they had to course correct because of what Snyder was doing. And I think this is a problem I've had since the new 52 started was I feel like there wasn't a lot of communication or collaboration. And we talk about the bat books and we have a group editor and Mark Doyle, but I don't know what that is like. I mean, is it Mark Doyle? And then, you know, on the left-hand side, you have Snyder, and he's the one dictating it. I think it'd be better if we or had Or is it the other books. way around, too, because it uh, could be yeah. DC dictating. Like, And we've heard that multiple times that some of these crossovers have happened because DC is trying to capitalize on the popularity of Batman, and that's why the majority oh. of the crossovers all deal with the, the events of of uh Batman. That's why we had, like, one for zero year. Even though they had nothing to do with it other than they were just – taking place at the same time, you know, and it's happened multiple times. And I feel like it's almost like forced upon us to have these other books have to tie into these events that Snyder's doing. I think that's part of the reason why I'm so fatigued from it, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I just, uh, I, I think collaboration would be wonderful. And, and, you know, if Snyder came up with this idea that, Hey, I want to kill the Joker off, you know, could Buccellato and Manipool said, we have this idea. Do you think you can wait, you know, <laughs> wait a little bit to do that so that we can complete what story we have? But you're absolutely correct. I mean, this Jim Gordon thing is so huge. I mean, we're feeling it at Batgirl. We're probably going to be feeling it in We Are Robin soon. So anything that he does, you the ripples are in all of these uh, other books. So they're, he's so powerful now that that's the only scary thing about having him continue is that, uh, basically, his word. Once that happens, it seems like that's it. Yeah, and and I think the like you said, the collaboration part of it is. Here's the thing that makes the least amount of sense to me. <laughs> I understand that 
you know, don't get me wrong. I am one of those people who absolutely loves everything to tie together. Like, I love picking up an issue of Batgirl and reading that Jim Gordon is Batman in that issue when it's the case in Batman. I, I'm one of those people who loves it. But at the same time, one of the things I have the biggest problem with is having, when they sit there and they say, okay, for example, with Detective Comics, they were telling a completely separate story that had nothing to do with this Batman. When they go on and they say, oh, by the way, starting in June, continuity doesn't matter. We're just trying to tell the best stories we can. But we have Detective Comics completely shift gears from what they were doing to tell something completely different with a different Batman because it suits what's going on with the top seller of the company, that's my main concern. Like, you don't see Justice League shifting gears and dealing with Jim Gordon as Batman. You don't see that at all. Like, we, we, we're going to end up seeing that in Detective Comics when Peter Tomasi comes on board. But that's my problem. What was the point of saying that if everything that Snyder's doing is causing ripple a ripple effect across the entire Batman line. In devil, just to 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 be to be in this play last the devil's thing advocate. The, 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 you play the devil's advocate. No, let's go like this. There hasn't been a period. This isn't new, by the way. The idea of a creator having ungodly amounts of power at a publisher. Well, this agree. goes back to I Neil agree. Adams, who used to be able to do insane crap, right? Like Grant Morrison, and I like these guys. Like I love Grant Morrison's work. But Grant Morrison, Jeff Johns, dude, Jeff Johns could walk in the oh. office tomorrow and be like, put on pink tutus now, everybody. And they're like, done, we'll do it. I mean, like, I mean, we've true. always had Very these super powered creators out there. Someone so somewhere has got those pictures of the pink tutus. I hope so. That would be just like amazing if I nailed it like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not new. I mean, it's always kind of been something that's out there is that there's a creator for the longest time. It was Johns and now Johns is like ascended to writing TV shows and all this other, I mean, you know, um, but there's always been a guy out there that has, has had the clout. Now maybe has, has DC been a little abusive about something? Yeah, sure. Of course they have. There's no doubt about it. But the idea of the superpowered creator isn't new, you know, and I don't remember like Morrison or John's ever taken this much flack about it. You know, it's, it's true, but maybe it's just because there is an actual amount of fatigue with Snyder then. I think they're, they're, and, you know, the thing is, I think there was a, a degree of amount of fatigue with Morrison too. Because at the end, yeah, Morrison absolutely. stuff started, like when it started to get into the Batman Incorporated stuff and it really did start affecting the entire line. I think there was a little bit of people who were like, eh, and that is why they kind of dialed the Incorporated stuff back so much and then just kind of dropped it completely. They really did. Yeah, I mean, but realistically, that's, that's basically the, the, you know, how it ended up working. It's just, I feel like he's been on the book. It's been, you know, four years since they launched the New 52 and he was on that book, but then he was even on Detective Comics before that. But I mean, like, maybe there, there is a good chunk of fatigue and maybe that is why everybody's getting tired of it. And maybe that is why he's getting so much flack because obviously the sales have nothing to do with it because people are still buying the stuff like that crazy. he's on. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with people not liking the work. It's just that. Maybe there is a little bit of fatigue and people, you know, want to see something different, you know, and I've said multiple times, like, I'd love to see Snyder do something different than what he always does, but it always feels like every time there's a new story, it ends up being the same thing, like a really, really long story that can be broken up into, you know, two different volumes when they release it on trade paperbacks because it's such a large story. 
the the really long stories, you know, they get really, really in-depth. Sometimes we feel like some of the stuff can get cut from the story because it didn't need to be there because it was just filler. Sometimes that happens. And to me, we've said multiple times we would love to see Snyder tell one-and-done stories. And every time he starts talking about a new new story arc, he says that he wants to do that, but we never actually see it. And to a degree, 41, uh, 41 and 42, to a degree, they were kind of one and done. But there is still this overarching thing that's happening where the two villains that he dealt with in both of those issues, they both are leading to this other villain that will end up being the villain that we deal with for like three months. But And it just, just seems like it always happens with him. How many issues was Morrison on Batman for? Morrison was on Batman for five years. I don't remember exactly how many issues. because It was, was five years. He was right. on multiple series at, at different points because he was on Batman, he was on Batman and Robin, he was on Batman and the Return of Bruce Wayne, he eventually made it to Batman Incorporated. Uh, so, I mean, like, he was on all kinds of different stuff. Some of the stuff was at the same time, some of it was at different times. Um, but he was on for five years because I remember them making a very big deal when Incorporated was up that it was like five years from the beginning of when he started okay. his first story. Okay, so that's 12 issues a year. So, okay. I mean, we're coming up on five years with Snyder, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was just wondering what was the longest run for a creator on Batman in modern, in the modern era of comics. Not when Bob Kane did it for 20 years or whatever, you know, like back in the 30s and 40s. But, like, what was the longest? I mean, it's gotta be Morrison, I guess, if he had five years properly. You know? I don't think Dini or Brayfogle, any of those guys back in the day weren't on that long, were they? Uh, well, Brayfield was an artist. That's not yeah, the same. True. Alan Grant was on Batman titles for a while. But Grant was there for a long time. Five years. Yeah. I don't think it was five years. Denny O'Neill, I don't think it was that, I don't think it was more than five years either. I mean, like, he was an editor on a book for longer than five years, but. But not, not the, yeah, but not at a clip. I was just wondering if, and Grant Morrison jumped around, so I'm wondering if, I'm just curious, what is the longest time a, a creator's been on a title? But you know what the thing is with uh, with Morrison. Part of the reason why I think it was it lasted so long was Morrison was with an artist for like however long. Like I remember distinctly his stuff in Batman was Andy Kubert, and I remember when he jumped over to Batman and Robin, it was three issue story arcs. Each story arc had a different artist, um, where he teamed with Cameron Stewart was one of them. Uh, I mean he teamed he teamed with a uh, Fraser Irving. Tons of different artists for like just three issue story arcs, and it was never the same one. And I wonder, maybe the art has something to do with it. You know, maybe the fact that the art changed is you know was something different too, because you did get different moments of you know different types of style and tone based off of just the art. And there was stories that were completely different tones because of. You know, because of the way they were written, but also the art reflected that too. And maybe that's just the case with Batman. We've gotten the same thing for so long because it's the the same art and story. This has got to be the longest that two that a team has been together. The oh, artist yeah. and I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think there it has been a artist that's teamed with a writer this long. Paul Dean was with Dustin Wen for a long period. They were on Streets of Gotham. They did some detective comics for a while. But even they did, they weren't together for that long, like this long. Um, I honestly cannot think, I mean, like, 
Andy Kubert did a lot with Morrison, but still not to the degree. No, not this long. I can't think of anybody, honestly. And like I said, Bray Fogel was on the title for a good amount of time. He was, but he, it was sporadic with, he was with Grant, Alan Grant for a long time. Good run. Yeah, big run. And, uh, like Chuck Dixon was, you know, Chuck Dixon's probably a good example. He, yeah. not, not specifically on the Batman titles, but he has been, he worked with the Batman titles for a really, Forever. really long time. Yeah. yeah. Birds of Prey, Robin, Nightwing, uh, Batman. I mean, like he did a lot of yeah. stuff in the Batman universe. It's true. Um, but I think it's the same thing. Like he jumped around and he changed characters and that's what made it not feel so stale. And that, and I keep saying this, but I, I'm not trying to make it seem like Snyder stuff is stale because honestly, I'm probably enjoying this Jim Gordon story more than I've enjoyed some of the, the other stories that we've gotten. But I feel like he just is doing the same thing over and over again, not because it's the same story or that, but it's just when you look at some of these other writers, you know, Morrison was telling Bruce Wayne Batman stories. He moved to telling Damien and Dick stories, and then he moved back to Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Wayne in a completely different time. And then he comes back and he's telling Batman Incorporated, which is all of these different Batmen from around the world, along with Bruce Wayne. So, I mean, like, you're, you're changing the characters you're working with, and maybe Snyder's just worked with Bruce Wayne for too long, which is probably why I'm enjoying this Jim Gordon stuff so much. Do you think Albert knew what sort of can of worms he was going to open up by asking this question? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't thinking we were probably going to talk about it for as long as we did. But that being said, hey. Albert, Albert, hopefully we answered your question. If not, uh, feel free to ask and, us another Scott Snyder question if you want to hear 30 more minutes of it. Yes. And <laughs> uh, any listeners out there who are, you know, obviously listening – We'd like to hear your thoughts on whether or not you feel there is some Scott Snyder fatigue or if you'll read Scott Snyder until the end of the earth. I'd love to hear comments from you guys, whether or not, you know, how long, how long is too long. It doesn't necessarily have to be Snyder. I mean, I do want to know if you specifically think Snyder, you know, you're, you want to see something different, whether it be different from Snyder or different from somebody else. But I also want to know, like, how long is too long for a writer slash creator team to be on a book? You know, how long is it before we start getting tired of it? Because I honestly don't feel like the two of them are going to be on after issue 50. I don't think DC is going to renew it. And like, I know that the, 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 the book sales are as high as they are. And I know that, but I have this feeling that th- those book sales being as high as they are is not, I mean, like they're obviously the two of them can. And I feel like it really comes down to Capullo, not Snyder, because Snyder obviously has Capullo. done plenty of other stuff that is not with Capullo, even in Batman, where, you know, Capullo takes a month off and there's another artist that comes on board for the month. We've seen that multiple times. So, like, my thing is, it's Capullo, and I don't know, like, I feel like Capullo is going to try to demand a lot of money. His bargaining chip is Snyder will, you know, is good friends with him and will not leave the title or will not stay on the title without him. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like DC is going to cough up the money. I just don't think it's going to happen. You know what? Stella brought up the best point of this whole conversation, quite frankly, though, Ooh. which is, you know, other mediums, we don't see this. Like, I started thinking about that. Like, I would never be like, Game of Thrones is kind of stale. Get George R. R. Martin off the book. Like, yeah. I mean, it's only in comics where we go. Well, you know, which is, well, but the the thing is, 
but see, the thing is, I think it's because it's, it is so, I mean, like. This way it's always been, I guess, right? When you think of a TV show, like, when you think of a TV show, you only have X amount of months that have new episodes. Like, if it's, I don't want to use a Game of Thrones because they actually have books that they're based off of, but even the books, like, you're lucky if you get one book every couple years. The same thing with Harry Potter, you know, you were lucky if you got one book every two years you know, for a while, and then towards the end, they were spaced a little bit more, you know, out. But the thing is, there's a lot more space in between the stuff, even to the degree with the movies. I mean, like, you have, uh, you know, Chris Nolan did three Batman movies, but that was over the course of seven years or eight years that he made those movies that, you know, you only got three of them. You had to wait two to three years in between each one of those movies to, you know, to see the next one. So my thing is, I think it's completely understandable that we can get tired of something like this because it comes out once a month, every single month. It never stops. I mean, occasionally we'll have the events or whatever, but that is probably that. Honestly, if we, and probably in reality, comics is probably the one thing that is probably more critiqued than any other form of medium because of how often it comes out. Because I can't think of anything that comes out even more often. I mean, like even to a degree, TV shows. They're only cut, like they might have, they might put out 20 something episodes a year, but that's only, you might, you might get a new episode every week for five months, six months, if it's, you know, a half a year's worth yeah. of episodes. So you got six months to sit back and say, you know, I don't have to think about this for a year. You know, it's, it's just, I don't know, like TV shows are probably the one thing you could sit there and say you get too much, but I don't think it's the case at all. It's probably because there's too much time in between one issue to the next issue, and it just, honestly, when you sit here and say, the New 52 came out, and we've been doing, you know, we, we, the three of us have been together for as long as we have, it's kind of crazy how long it's been, but then you think of how long the comic cast has been around, and it's like, holy cow, we've been around for six years, that's insane. It's just nuts, thinking about it. So, yes, Albert, hopefully we answered your question. Not that we got off topic at all. Yes, not at all. Yes. Not at all. This was not planned Perfect. But anyway. anyway. <laughs> we're looking for discussion questions. Thanks, Albert. All right, so we're going to move into our discussions for this episode. Uh, we have a giant, we have a giant list. The giant list is being sliced as we're talking. Um, I've had so many good things to talk about. All right, so the first thing, this was, uh, I, I'm just going to mention it because I don't think, it, this, we can't bring it up next month and it'll be too late because it, it won't be relevant, but, the one random thing that I wanted to talk about last episode was uh, Arkham Knight and the differences between the comics, the comics continuity and the continuity that they we, that they have shown us in uh, the Arkham games. And I wanted to talk about that. And really, the only reason I wanted to talk about it was because there is a very interesting thing that uh, you find out that uh, Barbara Gordon and Tim Drake are dating. And at the end of the series, or at the end of the game, which I finished finally, uh, at the end of the game, they actually get married. So I wanted to bring this up because I knew Stella would have something to say about it. But You don't say. <laughs> but because the game has been out for over a month and because I there's a lot of other things I really want to talk about on this list... We're not going to talk about it because Stella did bring up something else that I think deserves a little bit more attention that deals with Barbara Gordon. 
So there's a current rumor out there that Barbara Gordon is going to be appearing in Batman vs. Superman. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a second, isn't this the comic cast? Yes, it is, but these discussions are supposed to be whatever we want. Um, and the, 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 the thing is with, uh, the discussions, I mean, there's, there's so many things that happen in the Batman universe that we don't get to talk about on a normal basis because we talk about the comics so often. So when we get to talk about something that's not about the comics, like Batman vs. Superman or Suicide Squad, it's nice to talk about something different. Because honestly, even though we have so many podcasts that I could guess, you know, guest star on, I don't have the opportunity to talk about this because I just don't have the time to talk about all of these wonderful things that are going on in the Batman universe. So kind of talking about the Barber rumor, real quick thoughts on the, the Batman v Superman hmm. trailer that came out during Comic-Con and the Suicide Squad footage that was released right after Comic-Con as well. Real quick thoughts on that. And then we'll talk about some of the crazy rumors that are out there. I thought they both look, I think they're both really good. Um, Suicide Squad kind of took me by surprise because that was the one that I really had no idea what, you know, what it would look like. And, and I don't know if you guys know David, if you follow David Ayer's work, got to the Suicide Squad, but he did like the movie Fury, you know, which is a, a end of watch, an end of watch and Fury. He did both those. Um, and they're, they're very serious movie, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I thought it would translate this. I really like the way it turned out. It looks good. The, you know, the, I'm not going to beat up too much about certain like visual aspects of the movie. Like I know there is some complaints about the way the Joker looks and things like that. And I can see that, but to be honest with you, I find it hard to really get on something like that out of a couple frames. Um, I think I kind of got to see the whole movie. Uh, the Batman versus Superman one is, it looks good. I, th- I think that a lot of people have some trepidation about Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, and from the few short scenes we get in the movie, he, he seems to be doing a very, very good older Bruce Wayne. Um, and the scenes as Batman, you know, left to be determined. So I'm got, I'm very, very hopeful for, for both these, these movies actually. So I, I think that we're going to be in good hands here in starting next year. Yeah. And it's interesting because I guess now DC is really creating, um, a, a cinematic universe. So. And it, and it sort of all begins, I guess, with Batman versus Superman because we know that Ben Affleck's Batman is going to pop up in Suicide Squad. I think that, and perhaps I say this about a lot of films in my mind, but I think Suicide Squad is going to be a film that we have just not seen yet. A superhero, well, it's not really a superhero film, but just a completely different style and genre that we've just not seen. And that excites me. Um, I guess maybe I'm more excited because I'm covering Suicide Squad in my podcast. So I, I feel like, oh, this will be cool to, to do that. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And I think it's good to have a different take on the Joker. When I saw those images, I was like, yeah, that's totally Jared Leto. I mean, that's just him. That's the actor. Remember, he's the lead singer for 30 Seconds to Mars. That's what a rock star would do. And I think it's good that we're doing a different take. We we don't need another Heath Ledger. You know, we need what Jared Leto perceives to be, you know, Joker. So I'm completely fine with that. The Batman versus Superman, I'm so glad that they came out with another trailer because the first one is just so ambiguous. Uh, but this one seems to have so much going on and you just, you don't know where, what Wonder Woman is doing. Uh, at one point I thought I saw the Red Sun Batman because I thought he had his little Russian hat on, but they're really goggles if you know what the scene is yeah. that I'm talking about. And it does, it does oh, look like a Red Sun yeah. Batman, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's super exciting. 
But it's just, um, I guess the, the continuity, you know, if I were to channel Dustin is the thing that I wonder about, you know, if this is a 45 or so year old Batman and we are almost in this dark night, then where do the other Bat family characters fall into this, uh, which is a, a little interesting. And I just wonder, you know, why now start this cinematic universe instead of backing it up a couple years, but but overall, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to how this goes. I don't know what they're doing with Luther, uh, the hipster Luther. I imagine that he's just going to be sort of on the side, and then by the end, perhaps he'll start losing his hair. But I don't think he's going to be a big threat until the next Superman film, I imagine. All right, so here's my thing. With Batman v Superman, I, I was one of the few people probably out there who did not think that Ben Affleck was going to be a bad choice for Batman for a couple of different reasons, mostly because Ben Affleck is, he, he can be a really good actor when he's given really good material. Uh, he's probably best known for some of the worst material that he's been given and some of the worst movies that he's been in, but he can do really good things. And more recently he's become really good at, you know, well, he's branched out and he's, he's, he's written movies or co-written movies and he's, he's directed movies as well. Um, getting back to more of what he was when he came on the scene with Goodwill Hunting and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I was not, I was not by any means afraid of Ben Affleck as Batman, but the trailer, I don't, I, I, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Batman v Superman trailer that you have no idea what the heck's going on and you have to sit there yeah. and try to piece it together and try to figure out what's happening. Like Stella said, well, what is Wonder Woman doing? She's there, but what is she there for? Yeah. You know, you, there's, because it's so out of context, you know, it's just a bunch of flashy scenes. Great. No problem with that. I, I'm, I'm all for just showing off a bunch of stuff, but we still have no clue what the movie's about other than eventually Batman and Superman are going to fight because Batman doesn't trust Superman. Which eventually, you know, we're being, we've been told multiple times that Wonder Woman is kind of the catalyst to bring the two together to then propel into the Justice League. Who knows how it all happened? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I don't have a lot to say about Batman vs Superman because I feel like we've, that's, we've had a lot more stuff. In regards to Suicide Squad, I'm completely hyped about this. And I almost, and I hate, I, I ha- almost have to sit here and think to myself, which of these two movies am I more hyped for? Mm. And I still think that Batman vs Superman is probably I'm 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 hyped more for that, but by a very very small margin, which is surprising because here's the thing: because you're when, you, yeah. When, when <laughs> David, when when yeah, when David Ayer was announced as the director for Suicide Squad, I was like, holy crap, this is going to be awesome. I love David Ayer's stuff that he's done; absolutely love it. And knowing that the idea was to give these filmmakers the ability to do their take on the stuff, like Marvel has said this multiple times, they are giving these directors the ability to do their take on these characters. But then we find out later on down the road that Marvel has wants it their way and some of the directors have walked away because it's not what they want to do. And it really feels like DC is embracing the different artistic styles that these directors can bring to it. And when I saw the footage for Suicide Squad, I was just like, oh. And the thing is, 
I've watched that Suicide Squad footage so many times, and every time I watch it, I honestly feel like that entire group of clips that they show is literally like four scenes from the entire movie that they have just taken bits and pieces and cut it in in an interesting way, because it all feels like it's like a lot of the exact same scenes, like you can kind of put together the scenes from what you're seeing, and I feel like it's just such a small percentage of what it is. We still don't know really what the story is. Joker pops up, but we don't know anything about it. It's just like Batman vs. Superman to a degree, but we know even less about it. But I'm even more intrigued because of all of these characters involved. And, you know, it's, you know, Stella said something really interesting. She's like, you know, it's a different type of movie that we haven't seen. And to me, this is kind of like DC going Guardians of the Galaxy. Because Guardians of the Galaxy, in a way, was very, very different than all the other Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And Guardians of the Galaxy is hands down my favorite Marvel movie. Because really? it's not... Oh, yes. He's talking hands about down. Marvel, people. right? Yes, that's right. I'm talking about Marvel. We are recording, we are recording this, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy, hands down, my favorite Marvel movie. And the reason being is because you don't even... It doesn't even have to be a Marvel movie. It could just be like a space adventure movie. It's just... It's, it's a really fun movie and the fact that it just ties to the marvel cinematic universe you know it's it's great it's fun but it's such different it's so different than everything else and i feel like suicide squad is going to be that type of movie where it's so different you have no idea what to expect no clue what you're going to get when you go see this movie but it could turn out to be so good so absolutely good and that's part of the reason why i say like i'm I almost feel like I'm more excited for that movie because it's so out there. It's not, I mean, like, don't, like, it was so crazy when they announced their slate of movies and they said Batman vs. Superman, then Suicide Squad, then Wonder Woman. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah, back that up. Yeah. So, wait, wait. <laughs> Go back, Batman vs. Superman, then Suicide, Suicide Squad? Really? But by all means, I mean, like, at this point, Bring it on. I cannot wait till next year, you know, August of next year when the movie comes out. So, hands down, great. Okay, now some of these crazy rumors that are going on out there. Um, now, there's plenty of characters in Suicide Squad that we have verified. There's not really a whole lot of rumors for Suicide Squad, so we're going to leave that on the table. But for Batman vs. Superman, there's plenty of rumors out there. There's rumors that KG Beast is going to be in the movie. Uh, there's been a rumor multiple times that Scoot McNary... Uh, Google him if you don't know him. He was in Argo. He's also in Halt and Catch Fire. Great TV show that I watch on AMC. Uh, Scoop McNary is supposedly playing Jimmy Olsen, but he's also been linked to a variety of other characters, rumor-wise. But uh, one of the biggest rumors in relation to the Batman universe is that Jenna Malone has been linked to Zack Snyder on, for multiple different projects, specifically Sucker Punch comes to mind. But uh, she's worked with Zack Snyder before, and she was spotted on set when they were filming last year. And she made a big deal on, I believe it was Instagram or Twitter or whatever it was, where she, she dyed her hair like a bright red. And, of course, the immediate reaction from people online was, oh, she must be Carrie Kelly, because this is supposed to be the Batman from The Dark Knight Returns, and it's supposed to be in the future, and it's got to be Carrie Kelly. And suddenly, all of a sudden, just this past week, the rumor comes out that, nope, 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 it's not Carrie Kelly, Batman's not an old geezer, it's actually Barbara Gordon she's going to be playing. So, uh, you know, this this was kind of intriguing to me, 
Um, you know, the, the word out there is that, uh, Jason Todd has already died. There's a suit in the trailer that if you actually pause it, you can actually see two bullet holes in the Robin suit, whether it be the suit or a statue of the suit or whatever it is. When you see the, the, the Robin suit in the Comic-Con trailer, not the trailer that you see in theaters, but the one that's online, they show the Robin suit. There's two bullet holes in it. Take a look. They're there. That being said, Jason Todd has existed. We're assuming that, you know, we know that the Joker exists because of Joker's being in Suicide Squad. So everything's already there. It's just this is an older Batman. Um, this isn't the same Batman from, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy. This is a different version, but he is older. He's supposed to be, you know, in his 40s. So a lot of things have already happened. You know, Dick Grayson already came and went as Robin. This is the way they get around having a Robin, honestly, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. This is the way they get around it. And the the idea of them having the the story take place later on and the Justice League all kind of coming on when Batman's older, it actually makes more sense because they did the exact same thing with the New 52 where Batman had already been established for five years before you know, Superman comes onto the scene in the New 52 and the Justice League forms. They did the exact same thing where Batman has already existed. He's just this legend out of Gotham City. And now they're just translating this to the movies where Batman has been around, you know, for, I don't know, 20 years, I guess, if he's 45, 20 years he's been around. So, I mean, like, there's the potential that they could do a Nightwing movie because Nightwing's probably out there. Now... I do want to talk about this Barbara Gordon rumor for a brief moment because the one thing about Jenna, well, because Stella's here, but here's, here's, here's the thing. Okay. I don't have a problem with Jenna Malone. I actually like the actress. I think she's a good actress. Uh, she's also been in the hunger games outside of Snyder's, uh, sucker punch. She's, she's been in other movies as well, but she, she more recently has been in the hunger games movies, but, uh, I don't, I have no problems with her. But my only concern with her potentially playing Barbara Gordon is that she is in her, like, mid-twenties. So if Barbara Gordon is, in fact, 20-something years younger than than Bruce, that is the one kind of disconnect I have. Because if Batman... That means if 10 years ago, she would have been 15, and Batman would have been 35... And then 10 years before that, she would have been five years old. Now, before I, you know, dive too deep into She's 30 ages years old. And, and continuities, but even so, 30 years old, is it feasible for Batman to be 45 and to have Barbara Gordon only 30? Sure. I mean, so if you say that she became active, Barbara was always one of the younger ones to become active, right? Uh, I, well, 60. I mean, look, look at Batgirl now. What is, how old is she supposed to be now? She's it's modern continuity, right? She's twenty. Well, she's twenty-one. Twenty-one. So, yeah. I mean, ten years. I, and it depends if she's going to be Batgirl. Like, she may not be Batgirl. She might just be like well, a Oracle I think type. It, yeah, I think it'll be Barbara Gordon. Not. Yeah, I don't think she'll have a code name. Yeah, I, I think she'll be Barbara Gordon, and I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you're talking so it's thirty. So let's say she was twelve years ago when she turned eighteen. And Bruce is 45, so 35. I mean, he, she could have been the person that came on after Dick left, or she could have been there for him after Jason died, you know? Because the timeline won't be the same, right? So maybe Jason dies, and then Barbara comes in to help, and then Batman says, you can't go out in the field, so you're just going to work on the computers. Or I mean, you know, I mean, 
it, it's tough for me because I think that is I don't know how they're going to use it. You know, like it won't be continuity. Um, I'm okay with the with the age thing uh, because I do like the actress. Um, she was the stuff I've seen her and she's been really good. And yeah, I'm totally fine with it. I'm, I'm glad it's not Carrie Kelly actually in a way. Um, as much as Carrie Kelly is cool in The Dark Knight Returns, that's a character that had one story too, if you count the sequel. But you know, only had one real story. I'd rather have a character like Barbara Gordon that's got such a longer history that we haven't really seen portrayed sans Alicia Silverstone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd much rather see a Barbara Gordon character than Carrie Kelly. So I'm totally cool with it. I mean, I'm so cool that I can just, like, the age stuff that is a valid concern that Dustin's bringing up, I can just go, eh, I'm cool. I'd rather see her. So, yeah. Yeah, and it may be a valid concern, but I think we can all agree that, like, the continuity is slightly out of whack anyways. Oh, yeah. With how yeah. old... Bruce is compared to Superman, so I feel like we may not need to um, <laughs> be concerned as much with it. Uh, I, I do wonder whether, I mean, I think the big question is, is she going to be walking or is she going to be paralyzed, too? And I, mm. I think it depends on, because if Jason is dead, we can assume that the Killing Joke timeline could, in fact, be in play. But I almost wonder if this is the first time, cinematically, that we are portraying Barbara, if they're going to go with a walking model rather she than walks. one that it's not. Um, or maybe the, there's just some sort of flashback that has them all. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. They already actually have a Dick Grayson. They already have... Of our recording, and there's just some sort of flashback that shows Batman back in his prime or something. <laughs> well, apparently, I just they'll tell you the other thing that's, that's making me very hopeful for these movies, and I love the Dark Knight movies, it, obviously, blah 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 blah. But like with Jason Todd, we're assuming it could be dead, a, a dead Robin, we know in the history, and now with Barbara Gordon being thrown into it, this feels like. Um, like more like the comic book version, and I mean that in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's so much more history intact. And actually, the more I think about it, I think that they nailed it by making him older. Because do you know how many movies, if you start at the beginning of Batman's career, like a pure origin again, which no one wants, but if you if you know how many movies you'd have to get just to get the Joker introduced, Jason Todd as a Robin, dead, Barbara Gordon, Dick Grayson's gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's it's really smart to do it the way they did because. This way, it just basically fast-forwards through a lot of stuff because one of the things that so many people have said there there would be a huge problem with is how would you possibly portray Batman with a teenage sidekick in a serious, dark movie? It would be very, very, very difficult. And by just fast-forwarding the timeline, it already happened. You don't even need to talk about it. I mean, you could talk about it, but you don't need to show it. You don't need to do anything. So literally, it already happened, and you can just keep going on. And honestly, some of the best stories aren't necessarily Batman or Robin anyway. It's Batman interacting with the other members and how those other members have gone off on their own. Because realistically, who who does Batman really work with nowadays anyway? And I guess the other rumor I read that's connected is that, what, Jim Gordon's dead in this movie. Yes, that's the other, yeah, Jim Gordon oh. is potentially dead. So maybe, uh, maybe Barbara's like around. a Dick Grayson, like a ward. Maybe he, Bruce took in Barbara after Jim died. Yeah. That could I mean, be an interesting we, twist, we right? Also, we, yeah, but we also have to make sure we point out, because we keep talking about this Barbara thing as if it's a sure bet, but it is in fact it's, it's still a rumor. It has not been confirmed. We have to make sure we say that because I don't want anybody to be like, wait, wait, what did I miss? Yeah. But realistically, it is a rumor. We still don't know if well, one, if she actually is in the movie, or two, who she actually is playing. You know, we just have links to her being part of the movie, but we don't know for sure that she is because it's never actually been announced. But 
That being said, Jim Gordon is also dead, and that's part of the reason why there's a comment that that uh, Bruce Wayne makes in the trailer where he's like, "How many good, how, how many good ones are left?" And that's also around the same time they show the Robin costume. That's presumably why uh, Jim Gordon's not around, and the bat signals covered up with the tarp on top of the headquarters. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there, there is a giant fast forward, but I'm okay with it. Oh, I think it's the only way to do it. I mean, I, I mean, just logistically. And it's, you know, I, I hope that what this might do that, and this will be my last little rant on this, that, that the other movies never really did, is they never really gave you a reason to read comics, right? Like, true. Very, Dark, very true. The Dark Knight, you didn't, you didn't need to go read Killing Joke or yeah. Death in the Family. There's no need for it, right? Yeah. But I'm hoping that maybe this will push people to go, well, I want to see this. Well, if you want to see the story of Jason Todd dying, go read Death in the Family. I think that would be a cool way to, to kind of organically put the two universes together. It doesn't have to be exact continuity. You know what I'm saying? Um, but just, I think this could actually give a, a legitimate push for, for comic, which the other movies haven't done. Yeah. All right. So that being said, I'm going to, we're going to go into one last discussion point on my giant list. The one last one, we're going to do this very quick. Uh, sure brought this up with Cassandra Kane. Uh, coming, being announced that she's going to be part of Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, and the fact that we had Stephanie come back as spoiler in Batman Eternal before, um, and Cass coming back now. Are there other any, are there other, are there any other characters that you potentially would want to see come back to the Batman universe that we haven't seen in a while, even potentially longer than Stephanie and Cass, even though those are the two that probably get the most Interest publicity. from the fans and publicity. So, are there any other characters that you'd like to see back? And it could be a villain that we just haven't seen in quite some time. It could be any anybody from the Batman universe specifically. I have two that this sprung to mind for me. Um, well, the first one's going to come off as I'm being a jerk. It's not my intention. Um, one is the ventriloquist, like the real one. Okay. Um, I don't like the the current version that's in Secret Six. Is just I just. I can't. I tried like five times. My my brain doesn't wrap it very well, right? Uh, so I would like to see the the come the, the classic in either one of the pre New Fifty Two ventriloquists would be fine with me. I would like to see him. We haven't had that character around at all in the New Fifty Two. It's only been the new one, right? I can't remember. Yes. That's that's right. I can't remember. The, and then the other thing that well, Arnold Wesker, he supposedly died. He was dead. Right. That's uh, true. Because he was because he came back as a Black Lantern during that. But, uh, there was the other one, Peyton. Peyton Riley. Peyton, Peyton Riley. Riley, yes. She was the other one, but that one just kind of disappeared. That was a Paul Dini creation. Uh, creation, yeah. But I'd be okay with that. And then the other one, and I may have mentioned this in the past, but this is like my Ed sore spot that nobody else in the world cares about, right? Is the other Clayfaces, especially Matt Hagen, Clayface 2, right? I find that some of the other Clayfaces are so much more Interesting. Interesting than the current one we have. I'm trying to, try to be it nice, but. No, I mean, that's, that, that's the nicest way to put it, honestly. But don't you feel like that's true? That like the other clay face, the reason why they changed to different clay faces was that their characters were that much more interesting than the basil one. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I, those are the characters I could think of because with Cass coming back and Stephanie, there's not really much from the hero side that's missing now, is there? No. I'm trying- I mean, I mean, there's other characters out there, but they're so, they have, they, they were around for such, like, I can think of Orpheus, Onyx, mm-hmm. those two characters, but they were around for such a short amount of time that, like, honestly, nobody's really gonna be clamoring for them. But the one that I was thinking about was Azrael. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, either the Michael Lane, which I can't remember for sure, but I honestly want to say that Michael Lane, Azrael got killed at the end of his story. He got killed. Uh, I don't want Sean Paul Valley, but the Michael Lane one was kind of interesting. Some of the stuff they did, he was a crooked cop and then he became it. And I, the reason it gets brought up is because he appeared, the Michael Lane, Azrael appeared in, um, Arkham Knight. True. And they did right. this interesting story where like he finds out that he, you know, he's kind of been brainwashed by St. Dumas and the Order of St. Dumas and he has to decide whether or not to keep doing what they want him to do or, you know, go on his own. And, it was interesting. I was like, this is kind of cool. I wish they would actually go back and deal with it because I don't feel like that Azrael got a fair shake towards the end. I feel like it kind of just got cut short. But that was the one that I was thinking of hero-wise that it would, I wouldn't mind coming back. That's a good pull on Azrael, yeah. But not Shaw Paul Valley. I don't want that guy anywhere near. <laughs> See, there's a real... um. People really don't like him, do they? No. I, don't, I mean, there there's some people who do. But like, go he, find he's him. kind of like, honestly, he feels like, or like, not feels, but he he's kind of like the Jason Todd of the nineties. Oh, ooh, think about it. That's interesting. That's not a bad way to put that either. I mean, talk about universally disliked at the time and then grew in popularity later. Oh yeah. There's no doubt, by the way, that Red Hood is infinitely more popular than Jason Todd ever was, right? I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think that that's even even up for debate. I do like the John Paul Valley bat suit. I always thought it looked cool. I mean, what went on with him was ridiculous. But I mean, I don't know. I think that, and that's what's funny because I was kind of thinking about this question. Was remember when the new Fifty Two started? Was it four years ago now, give or take? Right. Yeah. Remember how we were like there was so many clamoring, like look at all this stuff that we're missing, and they've almost like. Except this little stuff, haven't they kind of like introduced everyone that we were all so upset about four years ago? For the most part, yeah, because even Renee Montoya's back now. Mm. There's a lot of in the last year. Steph, Steph was in the last year. Renee Montoya's in the last year. Cass isn't back yet, but she's coming back in a couple months. You know? So, I mean, they have done, they have, they have worked on bringing a lot of those characters back. Uh, honestly, there's probably just villains like, like, we've seen a lot of the villains, you know, here and there, but some of the things that I wish, I, I just wish we could see some, like, more in-depth stories. Like, you know, we get a lot of Joker story, like Snyder did two different Joker stories. He did a Riddler story. Um, but, for example, you know, I'd like someone to do a really good Killer Croc story. And don't get me wrong, Killer Croc had a good story in Batman Eternal. And Batwoman's Killer Croc stuff was cool. Yeah, and that that was probably the best Killer Croc story that's come out quite some time was in Batwoman. But like, there's these other characters that, like Penguin. We made the you know running gag for the longest time was like Penguin pops up in everything. But like, there's there's some stories where it feels like you know Two Face. Two Face was only used in Batman Robin for that one story arc, and then he presumably killed himself and now has disappeared. But nobody knows where he's at, and you know, nobody's talking about the character. And it's, I feel like there's certain characters. Riddler was one of those characters for a while until they randomly brought him back for Zero Year. I feel like there's characters, and, and these are the big characters, but there's other characters too. You know, I, I mentioned the Carpenter, and I know that's a weird one. That Carpenter character that Paul Dini did, it was such a minuscule character. But it was like these itty-bitty, dumb characters. Uh Nightwing had a character just like that. Sold the villains their gadgets or something. What the heck was the name of that guy? The, 
there was some villain that Nightwing had since the New 52 that Kyle Higgins had in the Nightwing run that was that same in that same class with like the realtor and the carpenter where it was like this character that basically like provided stuff to the villains and he was just like you know like the like a z-list villain right he basically just supplied things to the them but anyway it's like these weird ones like that but i mean outside of that like man bat's a character that we really haven't seen a whole lot of a good hugo strange would be nice Hugo Strange would be a good one. I mean, like, I know they brought Hugo Strange into Red Hood and the Outlaws, but... but that wasn't it, the same it, character. That really wasn't the same thing. Yeah. So... I mean, there's... And I think there is, too, like, there's so many characters that, that we haven't focused on in forever, and it seems like, like, this isn't me picking on anything. It really isn't. But, like, Scarecrow, I like Scarecrow. But he pops up all the damn time. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's a good villain, don't get me wrong, but he pops up way more than he should. Um... I don't know. It just seems like, and I don't know why that is. I, I, I've always thought that editorial has a list of like, okay, these guys here, you can use whenever you want to. You don't need anyone's permission to just use them. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then maybe the other ones require special permission. But the, the other two things that I was kind of sad about was that anarchy, which I was really oh, thought man. we were going somewhere, you know. I thought so too. Um, and I wanted to see that this new version of anarchy with Tim Drake really badly. Cause I mean, anarchy was a Robin guy. You know, um, you know which you know which character I missed the most since the beginning of the new video. Killer Moth, Tim Tim Drake. <laughs> Killer Moth, yeah. Uh, Tim Drake is basically Miss MIA, right? I mean, seriously. Yeah, I mean, like he's in, he's in Teen Titans, but he's so disconnected from the Batman universe. It's so sad. It's like, well, we were, we got a new Robin with Damien. We don't want him called Rob. Uh, he, he never had the name Robin because Jason Todd got killed. So he's always been Red Robin. They made his origin story in that zero month issue so horrible that like everybody just hated the character from that point on. And he has had like so little. He's been, I mean, been who knows? So this, this could call change in a couple months with Batman and Robin Eternal because we're being told that he is. should be part of it. But at the same time, he has been missing. I mean, like. Other than just randomly being around, around literally there's randomly nothing, being around. They're they're not doing anything with that character. Um, and you know, Killer Moth's in the new Fifty Two now, Stella. You know that, right? He's back. In what? Green Arrow. Yeah. You didn't know, you didn't know that? Yeah, he's back in Green Arrow now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Stella's um, gonna start picking up Green Arrow. I probably really thought, What about Firefly? No, it was Killer Moth and a bunch of other whack jobs, but um. Well, I just wanted yeah. to clarify was also. No, he was he was part of this team of uh, admittedly sealess villains trying to take down Green Arrow, basically. Um, I should like that. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Green Arrow's been a good a good run, totally off off base. But uh, no, your Tim Drake stuff is I think is totally right because I, I mean, doesn't it just seem like that? Do you think it's just because they don't know what to do with them? Do you think that's what it is? I don't know. I I think like they had this like thing at the beginning of the New Fifty Two where. You know, nobody really wanted, I mean, Batman and Robin was going to be Bruce and Damien. They knew that. You know, and they knew Nightwing was going to have his own series. They knew Batgirl was going to have her own series. Tim Drake was like, well, we don't want him to have a Red Robin series because we had that before. And, you know, we don't really need to publish the fact that we, we have a Robin book. We have Batman and Robin and it features Robin. 
but he's not Robin. So, you know, we're just going to have him part of the Teen Titans as he's been in the past. Okay. That made sense, but I don't know. They, they, sh- they, they shafted that character so badly since honestly that he, that character is probably the biggest mistake that they have, they've done with any of the characters in the new 52. And there's a lot of horrible things that they've done with the new 52 with characters. But honestly, I think Tim Drake is the worst decision that they've done. Like, they changed his origin. His origin absolutely brutal. sucked. Yeah, it absolutely sucked. And the, and like they have him interact with the Bat family like zero to none. And like yes, he appeared in Batman Eternal. And yes, they did do some things towards the end where he was involved with Stephanie and Bluebird. And you know there was that weird triangle that they kind of introduced at the very end of Batman Eternal. Fine, that was about the only decent Tim Drake stuff that happened. But it wasn't. It doesn't negate all of the horrific stuff they've it's, done with that character. It's been brutal. And then, like, the kind of like the final insult to me, and I'm actually enjoying the book. So, creative team of Batman Beyond, don't get pissy with me. Yes, yeah. You know, but, like, but the final insult to me, Tim Drake was like, screw it. Let's just send him to the future. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God, that's really. Like, well, I like, like what they're doing in Batman Beyond, though. I do too, but it's still, it's not the same. That's the yeah, thing. Like, it, it's like Ed just said, it's basically like, we don't know what to do with them. Just Let's send him to the, the future. future. Uh, and you know why Tim Drake always worked was, Tim was that part of Batman that was the detective, right? So, like, he was a, you know, they always told good detective stories with him and Bruce working together. Yep. Um, and remember, Tim had his own title. How long did Robin slash Red Robin go? 200 issues? 250 issues? 12 issues. That's a long run! You know, I mean, to, 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 to act like, and then, I mean, I'm, wasn't it forever when we, when we first went to New 52, every time they introduced new books, I would have bet you cash on the table there was gonna be a Drake book. Right? We like, always did. We always thought so. Drop 20 in the desk. It never happened. Like, but now, yeah. I don't even think it's gonna happen. Like, I'm under no illusion, like, He's just they have to re- they, the thing is, the only way they can do anything with that character is to completely revamp him. They need some like massive story that brings him into the fold, and then not only does he get brought into the fold, but they like tell his origin from a new pers- you know, a new, a different origin to make it harken back to the original origin instead of well, some prissy kid who got too smart for his own good. Remember, it got yeah. so bad for a while that there was a point, was it Batman or Batman and Robin, where they put Tim Drake on the cover of a book and he wasn't oh, even was, inside yeah, the book. Yeah, oh, it was, yeah, it was Batman Eternal. They did that a bunch of times. <laughs> it's like, it's like, hey, Tim Drake's here. Or, He's not. No, you, yeah. no, what was that? That was, uh, it was during. It was Court of uh, Owls, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Court of Owls, Night of Owls. He, yeah. like, he, was, he was on the cover of one but of the books, the and book. he appeared on one page. Yeah, I think it one was page, he was just in the background. I remember I think it was exactly that. Yeah, it was horrible. <gasps> now, um, if, if I may... Stella, do you hit... Yeah, Stella, please interject. <laughs> yes. um, calculator is someone we haven't seen. I don't know if you consider that. I consider him like a bad yeah. foe. So yes, I would too. Yeah. Um. He pops up, I think, in New 52, but I'd love to see Bronze Tiger interact with Batman. I think that would be awesome, depending on what his, um, how his origin has changed. And have an actual Manhunter. I mean, Kate Spencer's walking around, but I mean, Mark Shaw has worked with Batman in the past, so it would be cool to, to have some of those. And I don't know if, and I think there's an outsiders group running around, but like, um, 
I I not, wonder not, now that they're I doing. I think those this. characters are there, but I don't yeah, think there is. They're not together. Yet. Yeah, like they Metamorpho to exists, but who knows? But I mean, I feel like we may be going that direction, perhaps with you know the katana mini that they're doing and everything, just testing the waters, and maybe they'll they'll do that. But for the most part, I mean. If uh, Killer Moth is out there, I'm pretty satisfied. But yeah, at the beginning of the New 52, I think the big question was where is such and such, where is such and such. But little, little by little, they've been bringing them back. So, so that's good. And you, and you know what? Here's going to be my complimentary thing to DC Comics. It oh. actually, it actually kind of worked. Like as much as it was frustrating at the beginning to not have characters like Stephanie and Cass and people like that around. It actually did have a real sense when Stephanie took three years to get Stephanie back. When she did come back, it really did feel like an event in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. Yeah, and it did feel like it was purposeful. It wasn't just throwing the character in, which they've done two four characters. Oh yeah. But there's, but they did that. Just like with Renee Montoya coming up in Detective Comics, you know, there was a reason she was brought back. Like, it wasn't necessarily the best reason, but she's brought into the fold. She's thrown, thrusted into the main point of the story right away. And, you know, honestly, as, as much as, as much crap as we've given DC for, you know, taking away some of our characters. And I think Steph was one because we, so many people enjoyed that Batgirl series yeah. before the New 52. And when they ended it and basically said, no, we're starting from scratch. And then, not scratch, but you know what I mean. But then they, they, you know, they went to Barbara Gordon and they made her so dark initially. Yeah. It was just like, it made everybody want Steph even more so because not only did you kill the series that we all loved, but then you replaced her with this dark version of Barbara Gordon, which was so much, so opposite of what we enjoyed about Batgirl. And like, it, you know, honestly, Brian Q. Miller doesn't get enough credit for, you know, his, the lightness of his book and the, mm. the, the, the quality of the book. Because honestly, that book probably, even really though good. the sales, the sales weren't like amazing. They were good. They weren't horrible, but they were good enough to last. And they would have probably kept going if it wasn't for the Nifty 2. But the thing with that series is that that series is honestly the precursor to the Batgirl stories that we're getting now. The Gotham Academy, the Black sure. Canary, these lighter stories, because even though it happened, you know, four years ago, that stuff was honestly the precursor for a lot of this lighter tone stuff that we're seeing now. No, it totally was. I mean, Batgirl by Brian Q. Miller, the Stephanie Brown run was really, really good. And it was, it was one of those stories that was extraordinarily successful at being an all ages comic and an adult comic at once and not feeling off putting to, it didn't ever feel like I was reading a kid's comic and a kid never felt like it was reading Scott Snyder's Endgame. You know, like, like, I mean, so I, I thought it was incredibly successful with that. But I just wonder when we're going to get our next live action killer from off. So we only had him once. That original costume was terrible, by the way. You know, that's, uh, do you think, um, the Teen Titans TV series is going to be in continuity with the movies? Like if if General turns out to be Barbara Gordon, none. I don't think any of the TV will ever be. Okay, I just wondered. I think they're trying to distinctly keep them separate. Which you know, the rumor has been that the Teen Titans or the Titans series that you know Barbara and Dick are supposed to be both supposed to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Both of those series are supposed to also fall on the same line with Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash, and Legends of the Legends of Tomorrow. So, like by all means, if they end up tying together with those series. I'm fine because then we've got two universes 
that we get a ton of material for all the time. And honestly, to a degree, I can understand why they want to keep the TV stuff separate. I know this is off topic and I was just about to wrap the episode. Sorry, that was my fault. But the, you know, there was a lot of people who sat there and said, you know, the TV stuff should be the same as the movie stuff. And I don't know if that was like a gut reaction from, you know, to what Marvel's doing, how Marvel has stuff that's TV and how their TV and movies all go together. And honestly, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's been all right. I mean, like, it's average. I watch it. It's not horrible, mm-hmm. but it's not really that good either. Uh, really Agent not. Carter, Agent Carter, it was okay. Oh, it was like bad, that. but it... It wasn't bad, but I mean, like, it wasn't really telling anything really interesting. Daredevil, on the other hand, I loved that series. Yeah. You know, when Marvel that season, people, Marvel. That, yes, I know. <laughs> I, I'm talking way too much about Marvel this episode, but Daredevil, the series was great. I'm looking forward to see what else Netflix does with some of these other Marvel properties, but all of this ties in to the exact same universe when it comes to it. And I think a lot of people were sitting there thinking, like, when they said, Nope, our movie stuff's gonna be separate from our TV stuff. I think a lot of people were like, no, 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 because The Flash is really good and they would love to see Grant Gustin be The Flash for the Justice League. But will it work? And honestly, when you get a show like Arrow and The Flash that literally air from October to May, new episodes every single week or, you know, with a few breaks that they have or whatever. But you know what I mean? Like, you get, like, six months of them airing new episodes every single week. There's a lot of story that you can tell on a TV show that you can't tell in a movie. And it's two different mediums, in my opinion. That's why Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., in my opinion, has failed, because they try to tie into the movies to a degree. But the problem is that they're hindered by the fact that they can only move as fast as the movies come out. Well, and vice versa. Here's the other thing, too. Just let's be honest. The only time Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is remotely interesting is when it does tie into the movie. That's exactly right. Because it's just, it's talk about the, the, the who's who of never will be's and who who cares about them. I mean, like, yeah. they're not interesting characters. Um, I like the fact they're separate, too, by the way. Grant Gustin is a great TV flash. I don't know if he could be that good in a movie. And I know they've cast, like, Ezra Miller to do it. So um, I guess it's not going to happen. But I'm cool with it because I think it lets you explore two different continuities. And if you, if everything has got to tie in, man, that's a lot of work, you know? Yeah. And honestly, with the fact that they're doing the TV shows, I mean, like who knows how long it'll be before Supergirl actually, I mean, like they're part of the same universe, but who knows how long it'll actually be, be before we see Supergirl cross over into Arrow, Flash, Legends Tomorrow, who knows? And we don't even know when Titans is going to be making its way to TV either. But like when it eventually happens, you're going to be getting this awesome universe that you get to watch a new episode almost every single day of the week. That's how many there's going to be. That being said, we're going to wrap the episode because we got way off topic, a lot of different things. But hopefully you enjoyed listening to our discussions. And if you have discussions that you'd like us to talk about, regardless of what they are, as long as they relate back to the Batman universe. Or Marvel. We We talk a lot about Marvel. No, no Marvel. Uh, but Aww. when, when, uh, next month rolls around and we have our discussion list, depending on how long we, uh, discuss one specific question in a listener Q and A, we might have more time for more discussions. So shoot us your ideas for discussions or things that you'd like to hear us talk about and we will add them to our list of discussion points that we will discuss on the next episode. 
With that being said, I am still looking for some new comic reviewers, as well as news writers. So if you are interested in filling either one of those uh, gaping holes right now, if that makes sense, email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net if you are interested in reviewing comics. We have a slew of new comics coming very soon with Batman Eternal coming on board. That adds one issue per week, and we also have uh, we also have the Dark Knight three coming soon as well. So those are two series that we know for sure we're going to be covering. And then there's more coming in January with the mini series. So if you are interested in reviewing any, any books, whether it be the main bat books, the secondary bat books, the just league slash DC books, or the off the wall digital stuff. If you are interested in writing reviews for any of those titles or or any titles in general, or if you're interested in writing news for any of the projects, including the movies, please get a hold of us at tbu at thebemmingiverse.net, and we will get you hooked up on the website. In addition to that, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts that we have to offer on the website. We also Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and join our Facebook group iTunes reviews are always greatly appreciated, and as always, check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course, the comics. With that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Stella. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.